everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We're going to continue to talk a little NFL football coming up momentarily with our friend Ty Schalter from 538 Sports. You know, the NFL, I'll tell you what, their playoffs might be my favorite. I love it. Playoff. I love it because a football game is like an event, Jake, and now... The loser goes home. So everything on the line. So you get the event feel to it, and then you get the finality to it, the import of it. Yeah, it's 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 terrific. And we didn't even talk about uh, the Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy today. What, a, what do you think of it? Very. I mean, it's a it's a really boring hire. But he's highly thought of. But is that what they you know? Does Dallas need kind of a boring hire? You know, or do they need somebody with a little splash? Because he doesn't necessarily come with a lot of splash, right? You know, I'm not that familiar with uh, his his uh, charisma factor, but uh, he did a nice job overall with the Packers. I know he after he got fired after going four seven and one. Well, you know, you, you have a real long run with the team, and sometimes it doesn't end all that well. And it's you know he was overall very successful with Green Bay. So I mean, it's it's not a it's not a risky hire. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And uh, and that that might fit the bill. I wonder how much he he will be willing to push back against Jarrah, because I think that's been certainly part of the problem with with Dallas. Is their general manager is not a, an NFL person per se. It's he's an oilman. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, he needs somebody to push back a little bit. I think. So, but good luck with it. good luck with that. All right, uh, let's uh, jump out to the Sprint special guest line, shall we, Gordon? Uh, lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung tab for uh, uh, for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He makes the magic happen at 538. He covers the NFL, of course. He's our friend Ty Schalter with us on The Big Show. Hi, Ty. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Hey, we're uh, we're doing terrific. Um, uh, Gordon and I kind of went through this exercise in the last hour of all the storylines, and I think there were a ton from the weekend in the NFL. What is the biggest? What do you think, Ty? Oh, well, you know, the, the end of the era, the, the Patriots dynasty, if this is in fact the end of the dynasty, if this is the fact the end of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and, or, or one or the other or both in New England, um, I think that's got to be the biggest. Um, it, it's just a totally unprecedented run of dominance and success and then to come in and, and be beaten by Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans at home in the playoffs, uh, you know, just shattering that mythos. I think that really is the enduring one, especially, uh, you know, <laughs> given a couple, three, four, five weeks of distance and if, in fact, Tom Brady does go someplace else. Where do you think he'll go if he does? Oh, gosh, it's it's a great question. You want to you know you want to put them in a place where they've got a successful system, a successful um, uh, you know approach, but no quarterback. And of course, right now there's a lot of teams that have quarterbacks and have success, and have, don't have quarterbacks and don't have success. Um, you know, people have tried to, to connect the dots. I think probably the most likely destination is Josh McDaniels ends up going someplace else 
wherever he ends up going is most likely whether you look at Cleveland or potentially Carolina. Um, one, one of those places, I think, would be a very good fit for a Tom Brady if he can slot right in with the same system, same verbiage, and, and know that the play calling is going to be the same. Yeah, but if my partner Jake over here is right, then uh, Giselle might have a say in that, right? That was, that was just my favorite rumor out there, <laughs> is that Giselle was, was putting her foot down and it was going to be either L.A. or Miami. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, with with that, I mean, they don't have to move, right? When you're when you're that rich, and, and remember that she's richer than he is, you know, you can you can afford to live in separate cities and and, and commute. You know, you can take a private set back on on the weekends or on off weeks or whatever. You know, they don't have to uproot their whole lives for what's realistically only going to be a season or two someplace else. So I, I don't think they're going to have that big a say. But, you know, hey, maybe she comes down and says, look, I'm not going to Cleveland. Uh, or, you know, I'm not I'm not visiting Cleveland even. And then, then, of course, as we all know, family decisions sometimes come down to family. Ty, we're, we're so focused on the future of Tom Brady. What about the future of Drew Brees? Uh, you know, Drew Brees has been even better, arguably, at fighting father time than Tom Brady because Brady came out of college with at least the height, maybe not the arm, but at least the height and some of the raw tools you look for. Drew Brees came out with all of these question marks, and he has had to fight and fight and fight to, to keep uh, himself at an elite level, get the most out of the gifts that he was given. And I've said for a long time, as soon as he starts slipping a little, he's going to slip a lot. Now, this playoff game, they got back into it. They didn't look that bad. They looked fantastic all year long, breaking records with Michael Thomas. You know, does he have another year or two left? I think he does, but at the same time, if he stepped away, he's accomplished just about everything. And, and you know, it's been so heartbreaking, so debilitating. Three, basically three years in a row, you put together a great season. You look like the team nobody wants to play. You look like serious contenders for the NFC title, and then you end up, getting knocked out on something that's arguably not your fault. Um, you know, maybe this is it, but he's a competitor and he's somebody that definitely wants to get a second ring and get into that class of, of guys that have done it more than one time. Um, so I, I still think he's going to be playing next year and he's going to be playing in New Orleans. So, Ty, we had a lot of fun over the wild card weekend seeing what we saw and whatnot, but is it all just sort of straightening deck chairs on the Titanic because the winners are going to go on and, and, and get beat? You know, there's there's an element to that, certainly. I mean, you look at, at, at what Baltimore has done, you look at what Kansas City has done, San Francisco certainly. Um, you know, Green Bay has some questions. San Francisco has some questions. Uh, but but maybe, maybe you end up saying it's all chalk in the end. Um, I really like one thing that's really fascinating to me is Seattle. Um, all we talk about is what a great home field advantage they have. They've actually been fantastic on the road this year, now 8-1. and one. Um, They dirt certainly are built with that running game and that defense. They're built like a team that can spoil, uh, that can keep a game close, that can win late with one big play. Certainly Russell Wilson can give you that. Um, you know, They've had two fantastic games against San Francisco this year, one coming right down to the very last second. So you know, that's certainly a team that you look at that could make some noise and, and, and upset some people. And then San Francisco plays a lot of close games this year. I wrote for 538 uh, more coin flip games where it was close and, and, and winnable in the last five minutes than any other team in the NFL with 10 of them. They won seven of those 10 in the regular season. It only takes one bad break in the playoffs to make it go the other way. 
Ty, we're obviously very familiar with Taysom Hill around here following his career at BYU. Talk about uh, the niche that uh, the Saints have carved out for him and his great performance yesterday. Yeah, fantastic performance, and I think it's a brilliant example of a team adapting to a player's strength. It's something that, that more and more teams are going to have to do. You see it with Lamar Jackson, too. You take a guy who's who's a great athlete or a great player, has certain dimensions that are outstanding, and isn't the complete player yet. The old school NFL way is, well, until he's a complete player, he can't play. Nowadays, you look and you go, okay, how can I use the skills that he has? How can I use this great player to make a difference on the field? And, you know, Taysom Hill obviously has been able to work his way in in, in sub packages and kind of gimmicky plays and, and give them a spark, give them a lift. And, you know, when Drew Brees went out, it was still mostly Teddy Bridgewater because they wanted to be able to have that consistency down to down, play him every down. But he's getting more and more of a workload now and expanding the role a little bit. And maybe that's putting him in position to be the guy, even if that means you have to build the whole offense around what he can do well and doesn't do so great. Uh, but, but it's all credit to him and all credit to the Saints coaching staff for seeing what they saw in him and being patient and building it. I think there are a lot more teams that need to take notice of that when they're scouting these quarterbacks coming in the, up in this class. Ty, Jake, and I have expressed our opinion on the clowny hit. Dirty play or football play? What's your opinion? <sighs> you know, it's, it's tough for me. I've seen a lot of, of, of hits and you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets called dirty nowadays or gets flagged nowadays that, you know, nobody would bat an eye at uh, back in the day. And in, in the letter of the law, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's not right. Um, but, you know, and I, I hate to be one of those guys. I'm not normally one of those, uh, uh, oh, the wussification of the NFL. Because, you know, they were saying that when I was a kid. You know, growing up in the 80s, people would talk about the 50s and 60s. Oh, they all wear skirts now. And it's like, come on. Uh, you know, those are all still incredible football players. Uh, but I, I think overall top-down officiating and, and what, what we talk about it as dirty and what and what and how both offensive players and defensive players use their helmets is something we got to look at. Ty Schalter with us from 538 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Ty, we saw uh, the, the road teams be very successful this weekend. When you look forward to next week, what road team, and we're talking, of course, the Vikings, the Titans, the Texans, and the Seahawks, what road team might have the best opportunity for an upset? Yeah, you know, like I said, the Seahawks have been fantastic on the road. We think of them as a home team, uh, but they're just built so well to keep games close. They've played with that mentality at home and on the road. Actually, four and four at home this year, and then eight and one on the road. Um, you know, I, I like the matchup. I like the situation, and certainly nobody believes in themselves any more than the Seattle Seahawks do right now. When you have a coach, a uh, veteran coaching staff veteran quarterback a lot of those guys have seen and done it before they know what it takes and they've got some young guys that are playing fantastically right now i think it really is russell wilson's team now uh, I, I really like the way they're set up to make a run in the playoffs ty i hate to keep going back to the referees but i want you to explain something to me what constitutes pass interference and what <laughs> that's the question right that is the question um you know al riveron has rightfully taken a lot of heat um, for the implementation of what I think a lot of people thought was going to be a very tough rule. You know, reviewing pass interference is hard because there's an objective standard of what pass interference is, but it's very hard to consistently call, and it's often called more on a, you know, 
give the guy a warning or, hey, I've, I've, I've let that slide twice. I'm not going to let it slide a third time kind of thing. Or uh, on, a, on a check-in basis, like, you know, if, if uh, one coach says, hey, we've noticed, you know, we, we've noticed 24, uh, you know, tends to, to lock his arm on the inside. Watch that. Watch that. And then the ref will watch him throw the flag. And what wasn't a flag last week is a flag this week. So it's tough to execute that on a consistent basis. You know, they say they could call holding every play, and it's it's true. Uh, but if there is a moment to use the replay, you know, the OPI last night that 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 is a call that you have to go back and look at. Or otherwise, what did you put the rule in for? Otherwise, why are you reviewing them at all? If, if you can't go back and fix mistakes like that. Then, then why did you spend all that time implementing the rule and going through with it? Because it's, uh, that's what it's there for. So this this is probably cliche, but are we kind of seeing a change of guard in the quarterback situation in the NFL? Well, I probably jumped the gun. I spent a couple, three, four years sounding that alarm bell. You know, hey guys, Big Ben, Rivers, Breeze, Brady, you know, these guys are all at at or past the usual useful life cycle of a quarterback. You know, 36-37 used to be kind of a hard limit. You know, 40-41, only a couple of guys, basically Brett Favre and Randall Cunningham, were the only guys that were able to be useful that long. Maybe, you know, Y.A. Tittle or somebody like that. But, you, you know, you didn't used to be able to go. 40 is the life expectancy for a starting quarterback. So what Manning's done, what Brady's done, what Breeze is doing – um, this this is this is already way past where I thought these guys would be stepping down, and now it seems like we've finally arrived. And unfortunately, it's been long enough. We've had a bunch of guys uh, come up and some really exciting players: Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, a couple three years ago, I was sitting going, these guys are all going to retire. You know, eight of the top ten guys, Eli Manning. These guys are all going to retire, and there's going to be nobody to replace them. But we've got a lot of exciting players to replace them, and uh, I think we're all lucky for it. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Ty, I got to tell you that uh, I was kind of heartened to see the run game as prominent as it was in this uh, in the in the games over the weekend, because everybody likes to see the ball spinning down the field. I get that, you know, and they call the NFL a passing league now and all, but I I don't like the devaluation of running backs. Yeah, and you know, there's certainly something great. You know, when you see players like Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, or, you know, Marshawn Lynch punch it in from short, third and short, fourth and short. It's a great, it's a great thing. You see these talented players uh, make plays out of the backfield, and you know, combine in, in these new offenses with RPOs and looks like that, um, running inside, running outside, and then you can dominate and, and slow down the game and demoralize the defense. You know, it's great. It's great as a fan. When your running back is taking over a game, it's terrible as a fan. When the other team's running back is taking over a game, you just seem powerless as you watch them run over, over, and over again. And there's something so great about sports when someone's like, I'm going to dominate you, and then they dominate you. You'll be able to call your shot. You know what's coming, and you can't stop it. It's a big reason why we watch sports, and I agree. When running games are working and they're part of the offense – and you don't have a, a, a middling quarterback throwing it 40, 45 times and never further than seven yards past the line of scrimmage, uh, it, it's just better to watch. You know, when I, 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 I couldn't help but think about it when you were talking about older quarterbacks. When I, when I think of old quarterbacks, I think of, and this tells you how old I am, George Blanda. 
That's what I think of. Right. Do you guys even know who George Blanda is? Heard the name. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And, but, you know, and you look at, at, at you know, uh, the Kenny Stablers of the world, some of the guys that, that hung around, you know, and they weren't anywhere near the shape that these quarterbacks today are, you know. Brady, Breeze, the, the shape that they're in, the way they take care of their bodies. Uh, but even so, even so, like I said, it, it, it's still an achievement to think about how long they've, they've been able to stay at, at top. Even Josh McCown was talking in the post-game press conference, you know, doing it at 40 a lot different than doing it at 30 or at 20 and your body talks to you and there's limits in what you can do we've heard Aaron Rodgers talk about some of his mobility is gone but um, you know Tom Landry back in the day used to say that year 14 is when quarterbacks really figure it out right <laughs> like the 14th season that's really when the game slows down for them uh, you know so so there's there's certainly some precedent for, for seeing a lot of different uh, ball, playing a lot of ball, seeing a lot of ball, and maybe what the, the youth takes away it, 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 when you lose that youth in the legs, um, the brain and the arm make up for it. George uh, was also a kicker, by the way, not just a quarterback, but he did play until he was 48. 48! But, you know, he was doing some kicking, too. So, I don't know if that counts, but anyway. One, you know, the rule of the quarterback's a little bit different, and, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah. Even so, 48, there's plenty of kickers that can't make it to 48. Yeah, obviously, Adam Vinatieri's been struggling. He's almost there. <laughs> but it's it's hard to do to keep your body in that kind of shape, even if you're not taking hits. Yeah. Well, Ty, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and uh, putting up with Gordon's uh, trip in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. You're patient it. and wise. <laughs> It's not that far back, and, and it's it's great. I think one of the worst things about modern football watching is how little people know about the past and how everybody acts like the league started around the 2002 realignment and nothing <laughs> happened before then. <laughs> Thanks, Ty. Happy yeah. New Year. My pleasure. You too. Happy New Year. That's true, Jake. I mean... Well, your name namesake, Jake Scott, he played back in the fine 70s, safety. Didn't he? Fine safety. So, but do you have you even heard the name George Blanda? I have because he was known back then for being so old and playing. He's one of only two players to have played in four decades and four, have four, witnessed four, the four advent of the printing press. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> uh, Vince Carter actually just achieved that. Yeah, in, in the NBA. In the yeah. NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, this is a total change of subject. Uh, okay, but, let's but grind the gears as we shift. I, I'm kind of, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not that internet savvy, so Austin, we may need you on this. Have you seen Mike Leach's latest tweet? Is, is it that, fake? It, that's that's a meme that has been around for years. Is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm. You want to describe what you're seeing over there? It's uh. So it's a picture of like um like a a deck that's just being built or just uh-huh. being torn apart. Uh-huh. And uh, down below, you can see beneath the joists, there's a like a skeleton. Uh-huh. And uh, he said on there, this will be hilarious when the next homeowners replace the deck in 20 years. You just can't beat a Park City bargain. Party so, City, not Park City. Oh, Party City. That makes it totally different. All right. I read that part. Because Party City, where you get the Halloween decor. Uh, 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 that, makes, that makes way more sense. All right. I read that wrong. Have you heard of this Juno.com? You can get a free email account. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you, Austin. You got to pick up the free AOL online disc, though, at your movie theater. I, I didn't I didn't feel like I could be less intelligent than I am right now. But so Mike, Mike is sort of stretching things a little bit these days, isn't he's, he? He's a bizarre Twitter follow. Yeah, yeah he is. He There's is a new game strange. sweeping the nation called Minesweeper. It's really, Man, is, really hard. Is that still a thing, Minesweeper? No. Because <laughs> I wasted a lot of time playing that silly game. <laughs> I'm just making fun of you because this has been. I, I was no, talking I, to a I young. Know. I was talking to a young woman the other day, and she said the one uh, characteristic she will not uh, marry into is someone who spends all their time playing video games. Hmm. And why did Robin Hayward say that now? I see what you did there, uh-huh. Austin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, okay. Huh? All right. Well, I just is that a plague up. amongst our listeners or younger did, did listeners out there? Yeah, wives that don't let you play video games. Yes, <laughs> it's a plague. Uh, I uh, I don't know because I don't know. You will not enjoy your free time. <laughs> get, in, get in here. Quit playing those games all the time. Nobody that I know is necessarily like that. I I have friends who are into video games, but I don't have a ton of friends these days that are like. Every moment of my spare time, I have to be playing video games. I think Adrian's the youngest one among us. Adrian uh, in the other room, yeah. Do you do you see many of your uh, friends uh, spending too much time playing video games? I spend a lot of time playing video games. You do? I like every waking second, but I it's what I do to relax. How many times? How many? How much time a day would you say? Maybe not every day, but if I have a couple hours, I might sit down and play some. Okay. Anything in particular? Just played the new Star Wars game. It's excellent. All right. Have so, you played Minesweeper? <laughs> World of Warcraft still a thing? It is, yes. Okay. The WoW? I had a roommate once who was addicted to that game. World of Warcraft. Okay. What's the uh, what's the most popular, most played game of all time? Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> uh, it's probably World of Warcraft. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Sadly, yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like Adrian's got a healthy relationship with the video game. He plays every once in a while just for fun. It doesn't uh, dominate his life, and he's able to go on and be productive in other ways. I mean, some people go to concerts or go golfing, and some people play video games. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned Star Wars. I just saw the movie. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. So is Austin. Yeah. It's, I thought it was fun. It was fun. Predictable kind of, but fun. All right, yeah. we want to remind you about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. More big show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingle Show with DJ and PK. PK. What in the world are you doing on the floor making beds? Hire somebody to make them for you. I can tell you right now, and this is the honest truth, there's no way in hell anyone would ever be able to tell me not to do anything for my children. If my son said, get on the top of the roof and do a forward flip, I'm getting on the roof and doing a forward flip. Because as a parent, you'd obviously do anything for your children, and that's why I have kids, that's why I wanted kids, because I'm going to do everything I can for them. If Miller told me to dress up like Elsa and Renee take a photo, of it, then that's what happens. And there's photo evidence of that somewhere in the world. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott.
Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you and say uh, thanks to our friends at Divi. Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. You know, I'm really kicking myself, Austin and Gordon. I, I picked Band of the Day today. Yes. And of all days, I should have picked the Grateful Dead today. Did you notice the t-shirt I'm wearing? Yes, I saw that when I walked in. I was going to mention it, but... Uh... This, uh, this was my brother's uh, Christmas present to me, and apparently he's been looking for it for years. So this is the shirt that the Lithuanian basketball team wore on the medal stand in the 1992 Olympics. Who was, were they, the, who were was they the star player? Arvidas Sabonis. Uh, yeah, but they had, who was the guard? Uh, Sharunas Marshallonis. Yes, yes. In fact, the, the roster is on the, the back of it. Oh, is it? Let's see. Turn around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. Bronze medal, yeah. So do you know the, the story behind it, though? No. Okay, so the uh, the Eastern Bloc had just crumbled, right, in 92. Okay. And uh, they could not afford to sponsor a national basketball team. But there is a, a lot of basketball history in that country. Mm-hmm. And so it got some uh, American support because of uh, Donnie Nelson and Sharunas Marshallonis, who had spent some time over there, and they tried to get something going. And it was in San Francisco because he was a member of the Warriors, right? And the dead chipped in? And the producer of the Grateful, one of their producers, uh, noticed the story, took it to the band. The band read the the story about this team and uh, immediately uh, were inspired by their cause. So they basically sponsored to send Lithuania <laughs> To the Olympics, oh, man. which is a pretty cool story. And my nice. my brother had been looking for this shirt to get me for years. So and was that I, an original shirt? Uh, how, I mean, is it somehow licensed, uh, verified? Right. And so my my brother told me it's so hard to get, and and I'm just going on his word here because the guy who got the who designed and made the shirts just held on to the whatever, the license to, to print it, and mm-hmm. then never really gave it to anybody. So he was the only one who was allowed to print the shirts, which became a big deal at the Barcelona Olympics. It was kind of the, remember how pins were a big thing here yeah. and, and berets? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the basketball shirts were a big thing over there, and he just held on to it. So there aren't that many out there. So, so he found what are we talking, the value of that shirt? Oh, wearing. I'm sure it's worth nothing. But it's... I, I thought it was a pretty cool gift, yeah, actually. I was yeah. pretty stoked to wear it today. Yeah. We'll put a lot of thought into that and then had to track it down. You can get almost anything over online these days, huh? It's pretty It's pretty remarkable. But, yeah, that's a, that's a cool story in sports history. And they lost to the Americans that year. They got pounded. But then they beat the Russians in the bronze medal game, the, kind of, uh, the country they separated from. Yes. So it was a big, big deal. Uh-huh. Well, I, that's... Nice, good look. I like it. I had always wondered about why the tie dye up on the because you the remember it, stand. right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's because the Grateful Dead sent them to the Olympics. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I like it. If uh, if the Jazz were going to have a, a sponsored band, sponsoring band, who would be a good fit? Probably one of the, the something from the Provo scene that's such a big deal these days. No, it's got to be a big name band. Come well, on. like the Imagine Dragons are like the biggest band oh, in the world. Oh, okay. All right, Imagine Dragons. 
Oh, and wow. aren't those other ones down there, the neon trees or whatever? There's like the, the Provo music scene has been very revolutionary. Who else, though? Who else just based on the music would fit? Uh, obviously, Dolly Parton. Uh, obviously, the jazz. They're called the jazz. Uh, <clears throat> Wynton Marcellus. <laughs> okay. Right. David Archuleta. He's from Utah. Oh, yeah. Gordon was going down the jazz musician lane. No, there not necessarily. Time, it could be. It could be anyone. I. I should have asked the question. I didn't know the answer to. But Count I, Basie. So anyway, yeah. I was Louis I'm, Armstrong. Not alive. None of them are. Of course, Lithuania was sponsored by, Kenny the, by the Dead. By the Grateful Dead. Yeah. How about that? Jazz take on the Pelicans tonight. Uh, Gordon, a team that has uh, gotten a, a lot better as of late, thanks to a variety of reasons, one of which, though, is Derek Favors is back yes. and feels so sorry about the loss in his personal life with his mom. I'm, I'm sure that was just devastating. Uh, but since he's come back, he's been a double-double machine and kind of a catalyst for this team. It'll be fun to see him go up against Rudy tonight. Yeah, he's a really popular player with his teammates, uh, with his former teammates. By the way, do you think that New Orleans, when they see the Jazz, do they does that pain them at all? Do you think they have their own team now and all that? I get it, but do you think there's any kind of, you know, leftover feeling like that team should be ours? No, because <laughs> nobody went to the games anyway back then, right? And it was fifty years ago or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, there has been some time that has passed. There's been some water that has gone under that bridge. Good point. But I think most jazz fans would root for Derek Favors, don't you think? 100%. He yeah. was extremely popular around here. And you've brought it up a thousand times. That I mean, essentially, he was a good soldier. He was the one who was asked to sacrifice and get out of his comfort zone. And he did it with a tremendous attitude. And that's not to say that he didn't show his frustration once in a while. Yeah. But he was... He was a, a good soldier for the Utah Jazz and made an impact big time. But Jake, now now in his absence, the Jazz offense is rounding into what the vision for it was and something they could not have done as well had Derek Favors been in the lineup. Now watch him go out tonight and absolutely punish the Jazz. And I, and I agree wholeheartedly, um, and I think uh, Boyan Bogdanovich has been you know terrific if you want to compare the two. But I do think the Jazz missed Derek Favors, and they've had to overcome some things that he brought to the table that has taken some time. True. I mean, the the Ed Davis, Tony Bradley, you know, race that was just such a given for so many years that when Rudy was off the floor, you were still you were still nails in the paint with Derek Favors. You were, you didn't miss much from a rebounding perspective, and considering you're replacing Rudy Gobert, you didn't miss all that much from a, a rim protecting standpoint. I mean, that was a that was a pretty nice luxury. For those jazz teams, uh, I've talked to a lot of jazz fans who wish the jazz could have accomplished what they have and still have Derek Favors too. Derek, Derek, think about what that would look like. He was too good. He made too much money. Yeah, I get it. That's the tough part. I yeah. mean, what do you, what do you say? Like, hey, <laughs> you're too good. So <laughs> yeah, your 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 market value is too much. And we need to do something else. But, I, I'm sure it was a tough decision. And for those who didn't, who only knew Derek Favors from what you saw on the court in the locker room, he was a heck of a guy too. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it was very congenial, and well, he was a big part of that. Well, because teammates aren't blind; they, they see him uh, when a player is making sacrifices, and yeah. 
and trying to be the good teammate that Derek Favors was, of course he was popular. That's popular stuff. We see that in, in everyday work environments every day, right? You know, when people go the extra mile or do somebody a solid or a, a good teammate and, and, you know, out there for the greater good for everybody. I mean, that guy's always popular. So do you think he goes out tonight with something to prove and is going to put it on the Jazz? I mean, that's going to be interesting to see him go up against Rudy Gobert. It is, but uh, Derek doesn't really put it on anybody. It's not really his game, but I bet he plays. He's re- got some fire in there, though. He does, but he'll play really tough tonight. He'll have a double-double, and he'll make things difficult for Rudy. He'll do that. He may not have 30, but he'll have a double-double, yeah. and he'll make life difficult for the Jazz, 100%. Well, it's good to see him back. It's good to see him playing well because he is he's a good guy. I don't know how else to say it. And I don't know every detail about his life, but every time that we've been around him, Jake, he seems like he has sort of a, I don't want to get all, you know, but doesn't he have a, a positive aura about him? Yep. And he embraced this this place. Couldn't have been easy coming it's, from his, uh, his, you know, he was an Atlanta guy his entire life. Then briefly. He said he grew up here. There with and the he, Nets and, and then out here. Yeah, this is so much different than Atlanta, Georgia. And he really embraced it. I think that's really cool. And he's like a, he's kind of a homebody kind of guy too. So, I mean, to have him be comfortable in, in this community, I think that says a lot about uh, him. What's the color of your aura? Chartreuse. <laughs> What color is chartreuse? I have no clue. It's a green. <laughs> is it a green? Chartreuse green? Isn't Kermit the Frog chartreuse? Let's Google it. Let's. Yeah, I don't how know. do you spell that? Uh, uh, char. Okay. Oh, I got truce. it. Truce. Here we go. Uh, What's it say? It's going to say green. It is It is kind of a green, yeah. What's fuchsia? It's kind of That's like a, a pinkish. Pink? Chartreuse is like a kind of a pea green, like 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 the peas you eat. Oh, not Kermit the Frog? Oh, yeah, it's similar. See? Hmm. It looks just like Kermit. That does look like Who sang the song about the the color of something is amber? There's 311, right? Yeah. How's mm-hmm. it go? Amber, amber is, is the, the color, color of, of your, your energy. energy. Your energy? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that what aura is? Aura energy? Sure. That, why did, why so unenthusiastic about that song lyric, Austin? You're not a 311 guy? I just, that's that's their only, the song that everyone always knows about from 311. Which I mean. is kind of funny because it doesn't really sound like most of their yes. uh, other stuff. Which I think is, they're a much better band than that song represents. Like uh, that more than words song with extreme. Oh yeah, you've ever listened to yeah. any other Everyone, extreme song? It, yeah, <laughs> it's quite different, isn't it? That is so true. That's true. I mean, that's a great comparison there. Everybody knows more than words, and then you see the rest of their catalog, and you're like, "Whoa, play <laughs> more than words oh, again!" Yeah, <laughs> exactly. People think, especially well, a lot of people who like that kind of melodic tune. You know, they think, "Oh, this is really nice. Let's hear some more of their music." Whoa, <laughs> that is not what remember, I expected. Remember the advertisement of the guy who's sitting in the chair in front of the speaker and his hair's all blown back. Yeah, that's that's what happens when you listen to those two groups. If you're expecting more of the same. All right, coming up next, not sports report. Then top of the five o'clock hour, Ben Anderson will be in the studio. We'll kick off Jazz game night uh, again at the top of the five o'clock hour, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This. Is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Greg Rebell joins us right now. Earlier we were talking about Jim Carrey. Great Canadian. What Canadian <laughs> are you most proud of in the entertainment world to know that they come from your home? And all our best Canadians come from Canada. So, or best uh, entertainers. No, yeah, no you're right, Canada. Austin. All the best Canadians <laughs> do come from Canada. <laughs> our best That's entertainers. A great point. Oh my gosh, I'll never hear the end of that point. one. <laughs> 
I'll never hear the end of that one. You can't argue that. You can't argue that. Right, it, right. Well, I, I, I hate to be cliche, but, you know, the greatest rock and roll musicians of all time. And that's the, the holy triumvirate of Rush. Thanks so much, Greg. We appreciate you. He's a and, Canadian uh, from Canada. All our best Canadians come from Canada. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh. Coming up to tonight, shining through the trees. Crickets are singing and lightning bugs are floating on the breeze. Baby, get ready. You and me from fishing in the dark. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Sports Network. Gordon, it's time for the Not Sports Report, your favorite time of the day. Uh, brought to you by our friends at the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory shop online at lhmusedcars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? We're going a couple of different places. The first one is to the Golden Globes last night. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you saw that, but Ricky Gervais uh, had quite the monologue to open the show up. And he uh, kind of tore the place apart. And I, I get it. His humor is, uh, well, it uh, doesn't leave anybody unscathed, kind of. But I was surprised at, the, at, at some of the press's reaction to it. You know, the Hollywood press were just ripping him left and right for having the nerve to go up there and make fun of these celebrities. One of the things he said, if you didn't see it, uh, go back and check it online, or you can you can see it and, and see how you react to it. But one of the things he said was, "No one cares about movies anymore. If you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a platform to make a political speech. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world." Now you know how that would go over. In Hollywood, when you have Meryl Streep and uh, Eddie Murphy and Quentin Tarantino and uh, others out there in the audience, they're uncomfortable with that. And he went after them hard. Not just that. I mean, there were 20 others just like it. What do you think of it? Oh, I thought it was great. Because preachiness overall bugs me. Uh, uh, a lot of times now. Now, hey, if somebody's got a, a platform and you want to use it, please, that's your your uh, God given American right. But you better make sure the things are right in your house, too. And it's it's the thing that does bug me about Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, where they're more than willing to share their political thoughts and uh, be a social justice warrior, which is great. But you can't act like you're not personally benefiting from the uh, NBA, uh, their relationship with China and what goes on over there. And all of a sudden you're asked about that. And what's your opinion? Are you going to stand up for the good folks of Hong Kong? And his response is, oh, I, don't, I don't know enough about that issue to comment on it. You know, and it's it, so it, with Hollywood, I think it's very similar. Like you can be preachy and use your platform, but let's let's not pretend that we don't know where your platform comes from. Yeah, and he went after he went after the establishment. He went after various actors, and uh, held very little back. And some people thought he was just being a jerk, you know. Well, he, he probably damaged his career. 
Do you think that'll, uh, because he also went after the power brokers in Hollywood. Yeah, he called out uh, Apple. He called out Disney. Who else did he call out? He called out like four or five people. Apple with the Tim Cook sitting right there. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. we were we were joking in the uh, Amazon, the but how many people in that room last night uh, whispered or said to themselves, <laughs> "This guy will never work in this town again." <laughs> I mean, uh, so he brings up a good point, though. These people who make, who some of them who make ten million, fifteen million, twenty million, and more per film that they make, that they're lecturing the American public out there doesn't know necessarily where their next meal's coming from. <laughs> you know, they're working paycheck to paycheck. Do they really need to be lectured by people like that? Well, and let's let's not forget about the sleazy, awful Hollywood culture that has existed for decades. You know, the, the Harvey Weinstein thing, that's just uh, an example of something that's been going on forever. I mean, they wrote about it in the... Mario Puzo wrote about it in The Godfather. I mean, it's been... Didn't he just, go out? Didn't he go after them and say something like that they they should be very nervous right now? Or yeah, something along I those mean, lines? it's it's just horrible what it's been allowed to go on in that subculture of our culture that that anybody calling attention it should be called attention to. Yes, it takes that's a great. Lot, it takes a lot of guts for a guy to get up in front of that particular audience and go after them the way he did. Yep. And I want. I mean, I I was curious to see how the crowd would react, and sometimes it was okay, and sometimes it was very nervous and very kind of stilted almost. And I thought, uh, okay, we're talking about him today, and I bet a lot of other people are too. It's the only part of that award show I actually watched. Yeah, it it was something. One other thing: what do you make of people? Speaking of celebrities who are who are making uh, a mark out there. Apparently, a bunch of uh, Instagram models and uh, you know various adult film stars are selling nude pictures of themselves to help raise money for the the wildfires in Australia. So my question is, is it okay? It, it, do does the end justify the means? Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Yes, big okay. ups to these people. Have you been following what's happening in Australia? Unbelievable. It's just horrible. Uh, and in fact, um, uh, the Deseret News has a great piece uh, up right now on the jazz and Joe Ingalls uh, doing some things to support that effort as well. So, I don't know. If there's ever um, an issue to not get all moral and judgy about, it's this. So, whatever you can do to help? Whatever you can do to help. Okay. All right. Do you disagree? No. I mean, I, I just wanted your opinion. You've got this look one on of your them, face like... I'm, I'm going to get one of these... just a naked man. One of these people were absolutely... They were shamed by their family. They were rejected by their family for doing this and uh, essentially given the heave-ho. And I, I thought, well, it is for a good cause at least. It's for a great cause. People. It's terrific. All right. These people are making an impact on a very serious situation. That's awesome. Good for them. Give any which way you can. You bet. Whatever you can do. All right. All right, uh, the big show coming to a close. Gordon, thanks for your fine work today. Oh, yeah, it was fun. Lots to talk about these days. Lots going on. Coming up next, we'll kick off Jazz Game Night. Ben Anderson of KSL Sports will be in the house. We'll get you ready for the Jazz and the Pelicans tip-off coming your way a little after 6 o'clock. Thanks to uh, Austin for doing a fine job. Thanks to Ty Shelter for joining, uh, jumping on with us. Just don't lecture the American public about what they should think and what they shouldn't think politically. I think there's a difference between giving your opinion and lecturing, don't you? Yeah, I suppose so. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell, I'll be saying goodnight. I hate goodbyes. This thing!